0: Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your blessings upon us. Again, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for life, for health, for strength. Thank you for your abundant blessings. Thank you for your wonderful care for us as our Father. We thank you for all of these things. We thank you for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom, being a part of your plans, being a part of your life, being a part of you. Thank you, Father. For all of that and i pray today that you would speak to us in jesus name give us ears to hear eyes to see a heart to receive understand believe and respond in the name of the lord jesus christ we commit ourselves to you we commit our families to you our churches to you our lives to you we belong to you we submit to you and we thank you for this in jesus name amen welcome to uh, call to war 2016 video briefing number seven we're so appreciative of you uh, taking your time to uh, be a part of this and uh, very very briefly i'm not going to go into a lot about the uh, the direction hopefully by this time you're aware of the direction the uh, week of warfare october 24th through 29 uh, around the world 24-hour prayer chain people praying from 7 10 the evening in their time zone as we join together around the world with fellow brothers and sisters in a prayer chain of of warfare and victory in jesus name also starting october the 4th we will together those that will joined together in 21 days of prayer and fasting repenting for ourselves, repenting for the church and preparing for that week of warfare so that every door is closed that we've forgiven every every offense toward us we've repented for every sin we've uh, repented for ourselves individually and for the body as a whole and we are preparing for warfare a uh, few want to understand what that's all about i was just talking about you didn't know you are welcome to uh to watch video briefing number one which goes into the overall direction the lord has given for this and then video briefing number two covers in uh, detail the actual direction for the week of warfare what the lord has instructed us to pray video briefing number three uh, covers in detail the 21 days of prayer and fasting So because that's already been covered in detail I will not be going into any more of the specifics on that in this video briefing This is part number three of uh, the series of uh, that was started two uh, briefings ago Entitled Kingdom Praying uh, Part one was uh, video briefing number five Part two is video briefing number six. This is this is video briefing number seven. And this is part three. And we have several more parts of this going because this is so very critical. This is covering the basis of how we will be praying and how we will be warring during the week of warfare. It's very critical, important teaching. I'm excited about this lesson today. Uh, <clears throat> I've been studying this for years and... And uh, the Lord began to put this particular lesson together uh, some time ago. And it was, wasn't was really flowing in a study like I was used to. And I, I said, okay, Lord, here it is, what, what, I, whatever you want to do. And I woke up this morning, and early this morning in prayer, all of a sudden, he just itemized all the parts of this. So this is hot off the press. This is fresh out of the oven, any other cliche that you want. I've never taught this lesson exactly like this before and I am anxious uh not anxiety but anticipating is the better word the biblical word. Uh I'm anticipating what all the Lord will say here today uh in in this uh in this lesson. Again, this is part 3 uh of the series as a part of the video briefings preparing for call to war uh the week of warfare. This is part three of uh, Kingdom Praying. And the title, I'm going to give a title to this. I don't normally do that, but I'm going to give a title. Receiving Kingdom Authority Must Precede Kingdom Praying. It is not possible to pray Kingdom Praying without first receiving Kingdom Authority. Uh, The most pivotal verse in my Personal opinion, when concerning authority, and the verse that all of this lesson will be built upon is Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, where Jesus said, "All uh, power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth." The Greek word there uh, for power in the King James is not dunamis. Which is the word Greek word for power? It is the Greek word exousia, which uh, is the the Greek word for authority. So Jesus was saying, all authority in heaven and in earth is given unto me. Uh, let's let, let's talk a little bit about what what exactly is authority. As a synonym, the word power denotes the inherent ability or the admitted right to govern, rule, or to determine. Authority refers to the power because of rank or office to give commands, enforce obedience, and make decisions. It is the power to rule. The word dominion implies sovereign or supreme authority And so dominion is the exercise of authority, and authority gives credence to and direction for the use of power. Amen. So Strong says that the word exousia, translated authority, means in the sense of ability, privilege. For example, subjectively force, capacity, competency, freedom, or objectively mastery. Concretely, magistrate, superhuman, potentate, taken token of control, uh, or delegated influence. Now, this is as is, is I, I had I had this in a set of notes I'd really not really really had dawned on me hadn't dawned on me enough to stick in my brain. This is amazing. The root word for the Greek word exousia is the. The Greek word that means it is right. It actually is a third person singular uh, of, uh, of the word that has uh, of, of two words, excuse me. Uh, this word authority is derived from the Greek word that basically means it is right. <clears throat> but it is right comes from two Greek words. The first Is the Greek preposition ek, ek. It is a primary preposition denoting origin, the point whence action or motion proceeds from. Now, this is what's so awesome. The second word that's of the, the root word for the root word for authority is the verb I exist. I exist. So there's only one self-existent one and it is right proceeds, right or authority or privilege proceeds from the one who exists and then that right is given to whomsoever he will as authority to act in his name. Now, it's biblically, it is more than just the authority to act in His name. It is Him acting through us with His authority. So, all authority originates with God. And that authority proceeding from God is right, privilege, responsibility, opportunity, and that when exercised through an agency, is called authority. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. So there is no authority in existence that did not originate with God. Now that doesn't mean everybody that's using authority is doing so righteously. But no one has authority. No one owns authority. No, God never surrenders ownership of authority. Whether it is governmental authority, military authority, police authority, judicial authority, uh, parental authority, husband authority, pastoral authority, spiritual authority of any kind, the authority always, it is, it, it is not authority unless it originated with the one who is the I am. It's not authority. And he delegates or imparts authority for people to use, to guide, to rule, to govern, etc., etc. Now, whether it's a preacher, or a president, or a uh, parent, or anyone else that takes ownership of that authority, and uses that authority for themselves, for their own agenda, for their own benefit, they're in trouble with God. But I don't want to dwell on that. (laughs) Let me tell you about using this authority positively. In kingdom praying, we cannot pray kingdom praying without first receiving... God's authority or kingdom of God authority to work in us and through us in the earth to do what God wants to do. So, this authority is an amazing thing. Well, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of spiritual people, they seek for gifts. They want the gift to do this and the gift to do that and whatever. Other people want uh, an anointing. Well, we use those terms in such loose and out of context uh, scenarios because the only way to properly use any gift or any office that we've been anointed into is by God's authority, and if and if it's not His authority exercising that gift, and if it's not through us, if it's not His authority that is uh, preaching through us uh, because we've been anointed to that office, uh then we are usurping authority. Of course, that's what the devil does, isn't it? So, if we are going to pray kingdom prayers, we got to understand authority. And we have to receive authority. And we have to be faithful with that authority. Authority is so amazing that it is notable when it's present and notable when it's absent. A man may be a great speaker, but if he has no authority, there's nothing behind what he's saying. All the emotion, all the eloquence in the world doesn't make up for the lack of authority. All the operation of a gift in some kind of entertaining or hocus-pocus fashion Where all the focus is on one individual and everybody's there being entertained by all these oohs and ahs of what God is doing. If that's not God's authority doing that, then God doesn't approve of it. They said of Jesus, uh, Luke 4.32, and they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was, King James says, with power. The Greek word is exousia, Authority. Mark one twenty two. They said of Jesus, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. They, the, 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 those that heard Jesus preach, noted the difference between him talking and the other religious leaders of God's people of that day. There was a difference. There was a difference. They both spoke the word of God, one with authority, one without authority. But they didn't just stop there. Mark one twenty-seven. Jesus, they said they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, "What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him." Oh, so he didn't just speak the word of God with authority but the authority that was being exercised through him was demonstrated in its ability to have power over the uh, the kingdom of darkness. Matthew 1, excuse me, I'm going to leave one more, Luke four thirty six. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What word is this? For with authority and power, See, there's a difference. The Lord didn't stutter. The writer of this gospel, Luke, did not stutter. Authority and power are not the same thing. They're not synonymous. Authority uses power. Power exercised without authority is usurped authority. It's rebellious, rebelliously or disobediently used power. King Saul had the power to offer a sacrifice. But he didn't have the right to offer the sacrifice. He didn't have the authority to offer the sacrifice. So when Samuel didn't show up so that they could offer the sacrifice so that the king could lead the people in the battle, he panicked. And it cost him his kingdom. The Lord said, I'm done with you. Because... He presumed to exercise a power that he did not have the right to exercise. Luke four thirty six, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this for with authority and power he commandeth unclean spirits? And they come out. And then in Matthew 21, th- 23, here, here it is. And when he was coming to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? In other words, they didn't deny he had authority. But they knew they didn't give him that authority. They didn't know where he got that authority from. And his authority compared to them and their ministry was intimidating can I oversimplify something here <laughs> it wasn't the sinners it wasn't the Romans it wasn't the publicans that crucified Jesus it was the religious people who's who were set in their ways set in their tradition and they crucified him because His life and ministry was contradicting their tradition. Oh, friend of mine, precious one that's listening to this, I I pray that somehow, in this day and time, we will not allow our covetousness In protecting, our coveting, in protecting our traditions. How we've always done stuff. I'm not talking about uh, uh, violating the scripture or ignoring the Bible. I'm talking about the way we've always done it. That we would crucify those who bring the word of God and speak with authority because they're undermining the way we've always done stuff. Well, (laughs) The only way those who love their way, their tradition, can stay with that is they completely ignore the results or lack of results that their tradition is producing. God is a God of fruitfulness. He is a God of increase. If nothing is happening when we preach when we have church, when we're worshiping. <laughs> something's not right. And it's not the doctrine. It's not the truth that's the problem. It's the blindness that our tradition has brought us. Now, you say, well, that was Jesus. Well, how about this story? Luke 10, 1 says, And these after these things the Lord appointed 70 also. Now, in Luke 9... He appointed the twelve, sent them out. Well, okay, that's Jesus, that's the apostles. Well, here's the problem. He didn't just stop with, the, with, with himself. He didn't just stop with the twelve. I don't know if anybody even knows the name of all 70 of these disciples. And the Lord appointed other 70 also. The word also there implies, which we will see is the case, that the same authority and the same power that was given unto the twelve was given unto the seventy, the same commission, the same mission. And after these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two by two. The Greek word there for sent, uh, uh, forgive my non-Greek scholar pronunciation, is apostello which is the root word of the Greek word translated apostle. It means to be sent forth with a commission and on a, on a mission, and that commission has given you authority to accomplish the mission. So between the word appointed, which means to install into an office, and the word also that implies whatever He gave to the twelve, He gave to the seventy. And the sending forth, which lets us know they were given authority, they were commissioned, and they were sent on a mission, and it happened to be the same mission that the twelve were sent on. They go out before His face into every city and place whither He Himself would come. And and verse 9 says, And heal the sick. The Lord gave them some instruction. And heal the sick, that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Praise God. Now, verse 17. They've gone and done what he told them to do. Verse 17. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through... Thy name. And the word through there is the Greek preposition for agency or the channel of an act. The means whereby something is accomplished. Now, (laughs) again, this isn't Jesus talking. It's not the 12 talking. This is the seventy. And we can separate out Jesus and we can separate out the 12 and say, they were special, we're not like them, but you got a problem here with the 70. Verse 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Now listen to this, and behold, I give unto you power... And the word power there is not dunamis in the Greek, it's exousia. I give you authority to tread, and the Greek word there is awesome, to tread contemptuously with an attitude on serpents and scorpions and over all the power, authority of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding, and this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. He wasn't chiding them. Uh, he wasn't saying there's something wrong or you're doing something wrong because the devils are subject unto you. He said, keep your motives right. Keep your priorities straight. Because we're just earthen vessels, folks. And any of this that happens to us, we can't take the credit for it. And to do so and to boast about what all God did. I prayed. I did this. I spoke that. That's really, 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 really close to being very, da- to a very dangerous line you don't want to cross. Because we're just earthen vessels. He's the treasure. The authority is His. The power is His. The words we speak that He uses to accomplish everything. It's His. We can't take the credit for that. But that being said, they said, (laughs) we assumed that the people were healed. But they said in amazement, now if they'd been around Jesus enough to be one of the 70, they'd seen people heal before. They'd seen him heal people. Maybe they even saw the 12 heal people and cast out devils. But here they're saying, "Lord, this this stuff you're doing in us and through us, it works. The devils have to listen to us in the name of Jesus. By the name of Jesus, through the name of Jesus." And he he says them to them, "I don't believe personally. I don't believe that this is when he gave the authority. I believe he was clarifying the authority he gave them when he commissioned them and sent them forth. Behold, I give you, give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, the authority of the enemy, and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. So the devils are subject unto us because he gave us authority. The word subject means to subordinate. Listen to the different ways it was translated in the King James, this word uh, uh, translated subject. Be under obedience, put under, subdue under, be subject or make subject, be put in subjection under. This is what authority does in, in this kind of conflict. When whoever the commander-in-chief is gives the order to his military people, I want you to go here. I want you to do that. I want you to conquer this. They are exercising the authority of the United States government. And they have the authority to go and use force to put them under subjection. Which is exactly what happens in spiritual warfare. That's what we're called to do. Now, one more time. Let's... let's Read just a couple of verses. What did Jesus give to the disciples when he commissioned them? Matthew 10, 1. When he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power, Greek word, exousia, authority, against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now, he gave this to them before they received the Holy Ghost. Now, is it possible that people who have already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost have less than they that receive than what they received before they receive the Holy Ghost. Well, brother, Wright, You know, we don't see the stuff that they do. No, we don't. So the question is, why? Why don't we see the stuff they do? Maybe we're praying traditional prayers and not kingdom prayers. Maybe we're using traditional faith and not kingdom faith. Maybe we're trying to exercise authority through our power through our authority rather than exercising his power through and with his authority. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power. Again, Greek word exousia authority, to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Mark chapter 6 verse 7 And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by, by, by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. This is what the Lord used them to do. Now, In the Old Testament, or excuse me, in the Gospels, which is the end of the Old Testament, and I don't want to get off into that, but just suffice it to say that Hebrews chapter 9 clearly states that a testament is not in effect or force till after the death of the testator. And since the New Covenant, as promised in the Old Testament, would be the Spirit of the Lord coming in and abiding in us then we know that Jesus did not die till the end of Matthew Mark Luke and John so those are transition books they are not new testament books and we also know that uh the the infilling of the holy ghost or the indwelling of god's spirit did not take place until the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 so uh In the the Old Testament, including the Gospels, they were called disciples. They were not called sons. They were not called the bride. They were not called the church. In fact, the word church is only found in the Gospels two times. Both times in the book of Matthew, once in chapter 16, the other chapter 18. And both times it has a future tense verb connected with the noun church which clearly indicates the church did not exist in the Gospels. Now, if the church is the body of Christ, could there be two bodies of Christ on earth simultaneously? answer to that has to be no. As long as the the body of Christ was on earth, the spiritual body of Christ couldn't come into existence and didn't come into existence until the, the body of Christ ascended into heaven. So, the question then comes down to this. What is the authority in the New Testament? Well, there's actually three dimensions of authority. First of all, Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the new birth... <laughs> isn't just to save us. Selah. The new birth isn't just to save us. Because Jesus actually skipped over the salvation, not as being unimportant. He skipped over the new birth putting us into the church, which is not unimportant. But He went all the way to the ultimate goal of being saved and being in the church, and that is participating in the kingdom. Going to church and singing songs and dotting the eyes of our teachings and all of that, which is important. Paying our tithes, being a good person, all that's important. But none of that is participating in the kingdom. That's not what the kingdom does. That's what the kingdom does. And so, what, what, what kind of authority do we have? Okay. If we're born again, we become sons of God. What kind of authority does a son have? Well, he has the family name, which is the father's name. He is raised and trained to exercise the authority of his father. To do business in his father's name. Now, this always is so amazing to me. The prodigal son totally insulted his father by asking for his inheritance before the man died. And then he took that inheritance and went out and wasted it till there was none of it left and he comes home and he has this prepared speech. Father, I'm not worthy to be thy son, uh, but your, let me be your servant because your servants have bread enough to eat. Father completely ignored his his little speech, and said, uh, bring me me some new clothes here. Bring me the best robe. (laughs) The implication was he had been living in a pig pen, so the implication was they cleaned him up, took his rags, and put the Father's robe on him, which is the righteousness of God, taking away our sins, all the evidence of our past, and being clothed with his righteousness, not our own. And then he said, uh, put, put some new shoes on his feet. Because shoes in the armor of God are the preparation of the gospel of peace. So let's give him peace with his past. Let's give him peace with his present. Let's give him peace with his future. And the Bible says, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. But that, that's not where he stopped. That's not, what, that's not all he did. He said, bring the ring. And he put the ring on the son's hand. This is before they really used paper in business and all that. So, what was the ring? That ring was the signet ring from which we get the word signature. It was a specific, it had on it a specific mark or image that represented that man and his house. And he gave the son the signet ring. And what does that mean? He gave the son the authority to go out in his name and do businesses in his name. And he, that ring and that mark says, Whatever this son does, I as the father will back it up and take what he does and says as my own act. Now, that is quite a bit of authority, isn't it? For a man who wasted half his father's substance and riotous living. Talk about forgiveness. See, this is something so many churches and preachers and believers have not learned. The Lord didn't just forgive the prodigal. He restored the prodigal. Well, he wasn't worthy. He knew that. The son knew that. I'm no more worthy to call your son. Let me be a servant. The son knew it. The father ignored that. The son couldn't be unborn. That was, the, that was the father's own son. He wasn't interested in just the man being forgiven. He wanted restoration. And the father restored the son. And you know what? Changing clothes, that, thats that's an act of kindness you would do. For anybody in that situation, if you had any kind of love at all for people. And giving them new shoes to wear, I mean, because the roads weren't smooth and paved, you know, and, and to have an insulation between your body and the, and the, 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 uh, terrain of life, that, that was kind too. He could have stopped there. I guarantee you, there were servants in the father's house that had a robe. He gave the son the best robe. There were servants in the father's house that all had shoes. He gave his son a pair of shoes. But he didn't stop there. He gave him the ring, which was the restoration of his authority as a son of the Father. We have that authority. Behold what manner of love the Father uh, hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We're the sons of God we have the authority of a son of the father. And because the Bible equates us as brethren of the man Christ Jesus, Hebrews chapter 2, whatever the authority the man Christ Jesus had while he was on the earth, uh, we have that authority. Oh, brother Wright, boy, you've gone too far now. Really? Then how about John chapter 14, verse 12? He that believeth on me, The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. We can't do the works he did, and greater works than he did, if we don't have the authority he had. How is that even possible? But that's not all. Individually, whether we're male or female, we're all sons of God. But collectively, whether male or female, we're all the bride of Christ. Now, is the authority of a son, the authority of a bride, different? (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because you see, I have two sons and I love them very much, but I never took a vow. I never made a vow to be their father. I made a vow to be the husband of my wife till death parts us. I made a vow to my bride that I'm hers and she's mine as long as we both shall live. I made a vow for that. That means (laughs) she has everything I have is hers. Everything I have is hers. Now, She is one with me, she bears my name, I made a vow that she's mine the rest of our time here on the earth. As such, the bride has more influence with the father slash husband than the son does. So collectively, individually, as sons, male or female, we're all sons of God. Individually we can pray and God will work through us. But collectively it takes the exercise of authority into a new realm. Therefore when two or three of you get together in my name I'm there. In the midst. If any two of you agree on earth as touching anything they'll have it of my Father which is in heaven. The The gathering together in the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, having the same Spirit, having the same name upon us, brings us into a completely different dimension of what we can pray and ask for and He can do through us. Because we're the bride of Christ. Now, I've used this illustration so many times, and if you've ever heard me speak, there's a high likelihood you may have heard me use it, but when my sons were home and I was through the day and I'm sitting in my recliner and I've kind of settled in and found me a comfortable spot, got my feet kicked up, and if either one of both of the boys would come in and say, "Hey, Dad, let's go to let's go to the mall," "Nah, nah, boys, I'm tired tonight. we're going to have to do that later. I I need to rest here a little bit." Five seconds later, their mother can come in and say. Uh, Let's go to the mall. I'm popping that footrest down, getting up, saying, uh, get stuff together, boys, we're going to the mall. Why? Because she's in charge? Oh, no. No, no. She's the head of the house? Oh, no. No, that's not why. Because as much as is possible in this world, as long as it doesn't violate God, His word, His plan, My goal in life is to please her. To please her. Because her goal is to please me. And we're in this together. The bride has major authority. Well, that's got to be the end of it, right, brother? Nope, nope, it's not the end of it. I'll just mention this now. I'm going to go into it in depth later. But uh, how about when we're called the body of christ well if we're the body of christ where's the head the head is already in heaven i'm going to ask this question now go into it later does a body have less authority than its head does a body have less authority than the head of that body I have a head. you got a head. Praise God, we all got heads. And hopefully our heads are all healthy and all of that. But <laughs> my head doesn't work in the context of work. My head doesn't get us anywhere. My head doesn't do anything. My head doesn't feed us. All of that's done through the body at the direction of the head. The head directs. The body, in cooperation with the head, works. And the being together, the head and body joined together, cooperative together, accomplish whatever the head can imagine to do. Just think about that a little bit. I'll come back to it. Kingdom praying is praying with the authority. As with Jesus and the apostles, all effective ministry is an expression of God's authority all effective biblical apostolic ministry is an expression of God's authority. God's authority is expressed through ministry. The number one ministry in the Bible is prayer. The apostles even said, we will give ourselves continually, they didn't say we'll give ourselves to continually to ministry and to prayer. They said we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the Word, and the ministry of the Word. Prayer is what they gave themselves to first. Better to pray an hour and preach five minutes than to pray five minutes and preach an hour. Much better. One relies on the Spirit, the other relies on flesh. If we don't use God's authority then it's the same thing as having no authority. The Lord can give authority. He can impart it. He can delegate it. He can entrust His authority to us. But if we don't use that authority in the manner in which He has prescribed it to be used, it is exactly the same thing as having no authority at all. So if I'm a parent, and I have children, and I don't exercise authority to train them in the way they should go. It's the same thing as if I had no authority as a parent at all. Boy, it'd be nice to a moment just to go off on that a little bit, but I'm not going to. That preaches all by itself. The Lord gave us a prayer to pray for the week of warfare. We're not going to repeat these words. We're going to pray the elements of this, but I I want to read it right now in this context because it is a prayer, from my understanding, it is a prayer for the restoration of and the activation of authority in God's people. Let me show you why. Joel chapter 2, verse 16 says, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bride go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. Let them say. Let them say this. Not repeat this as vain repetition, but let this be what they speak. Let this be what they focus on. Spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach. My children are not my heritage. It's what my children end up doing that are my heritage. My children are my offspring. My heritage is what they do with all that God has given to me that I provided them Knowledge of God, faith in God, relationship with God, and opportunity to be involved in the kingdom of God. That's all that's been provided to them. And what they do with what's been provided is the issue. Because, And then what they do becomes my heritage. Spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach. Well, how can... God's plan and purpose be reproached; that the heathen should rule over them, if the people of God don't exercise their authority and they allow themselves to be ruled over in the spirit neutralized by this the god of this world, where we're not confronting him, we're not praying, we're not taking dominion authority, but we're allowing him to rule and we're trying to survive. In other words. We're trying to save our lives, and we're going to lose them. Rather than losing our lives in Christ and then being saved. I think Jesus said something like that, didn't he? Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the ports of the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, give not thine heritage reproach. That the heathen should rule over them. Now, this last part here is the most damning it's the most revealing in its condemnation. Wherefore should they the heathen the, this world say among the people, where is their God well you say what well, what's so unusual about that Wait a minute <laughs> beginning with the New Testament. God reveals himself. He's already revealed himself in the creation. He reveals himself in nature. But that's never been enough for man. Man's ended up worshipping nature. Not God. So, the Lord has come to the earth in the person of the man Christ Jesus. Jesus. That he might be revealed and manifest the earth. Well, that was awesome for 33 plus years, however long it actually was. But he's not here anymore. Or is he? Is he here? He's supposed to be. He's supposed to be here in his body and being manifested through his body. So when we, when we're told to pray, Why should they say, where is their God? (laughs) That's not talking about us being victims. That's not saying, oh, you poor people. I guess God has kind of abandoned you because you're, you're, you're so alone and, and, and He's, He's left you. No, no, no. If they don't know where our God is, then we're not giving ourselves to God for Him to manifest and reveal Himself through us into the earth. That's what the kingdom of God is, you see. The kingdom of God is God manifested in the earth. It's God manifest in the earth. It's God manifested through the people of God in the earth. This is called the glory of God. I'll get into that more a little bit here. So our prayer for that week of warfare is going to be, God, forgive us and bring us back to the place that we're not allowing ourselves to be subject to the spirit of this age, but that we're declaring our independence from it because your blood set us free from that, and we give ourselves for you to manifest yourself through us to this world. The problem is that the devil has authority. Where would he get it? When When he took Jesus up to the top of the mountain and showed him all the kings of the world, listen to what he said to him. And the devil said unto him, Luke 4, 6, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. Now, <laughs> the Greek word translated delivered there means literally surrendered to me. The devil got authority over all those kingdoms and in the height of presumption offered to the king of kings, the lord of lords, the logos which, by whom everything was created made flesh Standing in front of him, he didn't even recognize who he was. No, he didn't know. He didn't know that was the same God he had participated with for time without end from the beginning. Until he got iniquity in his heart. He didn't recognize him, And so he offers to the creator of the world, the earth. If you'll, uh, you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you this power that I won in a battle. It was surrendered to me. Adam and Eve didn't even know they were in a battle. <sighs> See, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God did not make man God of this world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But God gave to the first Adam dominion through which he could subdue all living things. That was the plan of God. That was God's plan. Adam didn't ask that. This was all given to him after he was created. It wasn't his idea, it was God's idea. This was God's plan. And yet, there are two things that moved and lived on the earth. Adam obviously did not exercise authority or dominion over. It. Not over the serpent. And where was Adam that Eve was standing there talking to the serpent? Where was his covering of authority? Where was his protection of her? They all, they both knew they weren't supposed to eat of that tree. Why would you stand there gazing at something that you're not supposed to do? Providing an opportunity for, for an unsubdued serpent to deceive you. In their minds, it was, in Eve's mind, it was a conversation. In, the, in Satan's mind, it was a conflict. It was a battle. And his number one weapon, subtlety, won the battle. And Adam surrendered the dominion God gave him over the living things of the earth to Satan. Hmm. Wow. That's exactly what Satan said to Jesus on the Mount of Temptation. About how it works, but all these kingdoms, they're all mine. I'll give this authority over these kingdoms to you if you bow down and worship me because it was all sur- surrendered to me. The word surrender automatically denotes the result of a conflict. And so the first Adam was given dominion over the over every living thing on the earth. He didn't use it. Sin resulted. From Adam not using the dominion that God gave him and held him accountable for. So, here comes the second man Adam. The Lord Jesus Christ. The second Adam. Now, question. Did God give less to the second Adam than he gave to the first Adam? No. In fact, Jesus said, again, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen: All power, authority, dominion is given unto me. Oh, wait, wait, something's added here. In heaven and in earth. So, Adam, the first Adam had dominion over every living thing. The second Adam, according to 1 Corinthians 15, he was the second Adam. He was given authority over everything in heaven and everything on earth. He was given authority over the earth and not just the living things on the earth, the earth, everything. Now, (laughs) what does that have to do with us? I'm glad you asked. One moment. I'm going to drink a little bit of my. My wife's tea. The last few briefings I've been drinking water, but that's got to just add a little something special today. To drink tea. (laughs) So, this, this is, it takes everything in me to stay calm to talk about this. And, I define what I've been doing today calm. That's being calm. The body of Christ. Let's talk about the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, if you mention someone, how's old Joe doing? Oh, he's okay. We call that mentioning them. Here's what Paul... Everything that follows after this is Paul making mention of the church at Ephesus in his prayers. This is what he calls making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 16 again. Cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give, impart, entrust unto you the spirit of wisdom... And revelation in the knowledge of him, your thoughts, your mind, his, his thoughts, his minds, his ways, his plans, his purpose, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Paul prays for these people he's mentioning in prayer. He prays that, that our God, our Father, would give unto them, the church. The spirit, the spirit of, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, this was not an intellectual impartation. This wasn't intellectually presenting an argument. This was a supernatural impartation of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom in what is to follow. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. And what the riches of the glory of His inheritance and in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to... Excuse me, I'm going to stop here and go back. Verse 18, that we may know what is the hope of His calling. And that's, that's the confident expectation of our salvation. I don't want to go take the time to go into that any more deep deeply than that that's it's absolutely awesome and wonderful and what the riches of the glory of his not our his god's inheritance and in the saints he has something he's expecting to inherit through us but the third thing here and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe I, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him that you might know this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? Now, he explains how great that power is by the example he used to, to uh, describe it. According to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places, And so what happens when our head, Christ, is set on the throne of the universe? He's put far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world. Oh, you mean this isn't just about what's going to happen in eternity? No. And we've missed that. And we're not practicing this. He said, not only in this world. <laughs> I, 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 it, that phraseology to me connotates this. Uh, everything God's going to be doing in the next life is just really a continuation of all He's doing here and now. And we go, you mean church services forever? Church calendars full of stuff forever? Forever? That's what heaven's going to be like? Uh, No. So maybe the church isn't yet demonstrating and experiencing what he's going to be doing forever in this world. Listen to the next part. And hath put all things under his feet. Now, does Jesus have feet growing out of the side of the head? If not, he has feet. Where are the feet? I know this is simple. I'm just making a point. The feet are on the body. Oh, wait. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Now, I asked the question I asked earlier. Can the body have less authority than its head. Can my head be the husband and the rest of my body not be the husband? Can my head be a father and the rest of my body not be a father? Can my head be a pastor and the rest of my body not be a pastor? Can a head be president and the rest of the body not be president? It's impossible. But our problem is we look at that and say, well, that's impossible. We we don't have everything he's got. (laughs) Really? Or maybe we just don't believe we have everything he's got because we don't use it. So therefore, we don't see it. And therefore, we can't believe it because we don't see it. And we don't see it because we don't use it. And we don't use it because we don't believe we have it. As I said earlier, the title of this lesson is Receiving Kingdom Authority Before You Try to Pray Kingdom Prayers. Believing and Receiving It. What's the result of the church understanding that this one who is our head, who's already in heaven, already sitting on the throne of the universe, already ruling over the universe, All power in heaven and earth is given unto Him and He's our head. And we get this revelation of this exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe. Because we're His body. Because we're His feet in the earth. We're His mouthpiece in the earth. We're His hands in the earth. We're His heart. So we get this revelation of this exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe because Whatever authority the head's got, the body's got to have. It's impossible for it not to be the case. What's the result of that? Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Hello? Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The word work there takes power into a different level. The word dunamis actually means inherent power or power or ability that is resident but not necessarily active. So the word work there means activated power, operative power. God's, our God... Our head is able to do in the earth, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, because his authority, his power, is active and operative in and through us, his body. And the next verse demonstrates that. Unto him be glory in the church, in the Greek word there, in, is not just inside the church, but through the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. In other words, the word glory there, doxa, in reference to God himself, is the self-manifestation and self-revelation of God. So if God's glory is going to be revealed through the church in the earth, then God is going to manifest himself and reveal himself in the earth through the church. And that puts us in this place of responsibility, accountability, authority for all that we've been given. Jesus, help us. Help us. We are so, it's so easy to settle for just trying to have good church. And planning our programs out to the nth degree. And God can't interrupt that. And if he does, we call it a divine interruption. But I want you to think about that just a little bit. I'm not trying to be unkind here. We indict ourselves when we call a move of God a divine interruption. God had to interrupt what we've got planned and what we've got doing so he can manifest himself. That's not our goal from the beginning. That's not our motive from the beginning. We're not submitting ourselves and everything that's going to happen in this service. Uh, Lord, whatever you want to do, however you want to do this, whatever you want to say, whatever. What, whatever. But we submit ourselves for you to re- reveal yourself in, in and through the church tonight. today. Shouldn't we be doing that? But God has to interrupt what we're doing To make himself known to us in demonstration. I'm almost done. Kingdom praying is summarized like this. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. And after this manner therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's very important for you to understand that all three of these verbs are in the imperative tense. We're not commanding God. What are we doing? We are the body. The body is the conduit for all the thoughts and actions and desires and authority and power of the head. So whatever the head wants to do, the body is supposed to be the conduit for that to be manifested in the earth. And so therefore we are not commanding God. He is commanding through us into the earth. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, It came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, When you pray, say. Not repeat. But these things, this is what's supposed to be spoken here. Say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. And the, the order of the words in the Greek is this way. When, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, thy hallowed be thy name, come thy kingdom, be done thy will. Because these are in the imperative tense of command. Therefore, a synonymous parallel principle to that is, Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, I say unto, you, unto thee also, Also unto thee, that thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The word bind means to bind, to tie, to fasten properly with the accusative person, to bind, to fasten with chains, to throw in a chains, metaphorically to forbid, to prohibit. The word loose means to loose or or release something tied or fastened. To loose one that is bound. To unbind. To release from bonds. To set free. To loosen, undo, dissolve. Anything bound, tied, compacted together. The keys of the kingdom of God and the exercising of the authority of the keys of the kingdom according to Jesus is binding and loosing. Now, Some just bind whatever they want to and loose whatever they want, and they think they have the authority to do that. That's because they don't even understand. The Amplified Version and Weiss Expanded Translation of the New Testament both are very, very close to the original Greek here because it communicates the principle clearly. And I'm paraphrasing both of them this way. Under thee I give the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. Doesn't that kind of sound like thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Same principle. We're not the initiators. We're the conduits. The head's the initiator. The body is the conduit through which the head works. The head is in heaven. Already won the victory. Already having received all the power and authority in heaven and earth. We're the body connected to that head. We're the conduit for the head into the earth. This is kingdom authority. Who and what are we fighting? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That one's, That's the normal one we read. But how about this one? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we ha- we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, if you'll permit me, this is this is wordy and it's hard to listen to, but you can go back yourself. Get out your, find a, a copy of Amplified Version. If you don't have it, just read it for yourself. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 in the Amplified Version. And in you, He made alive when you were dead or slain by your trespasses and sins. In which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world. You were under the sway of the tendency of this present age. You were following the prince of the power of the air. And Amplified explains that this way. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Among these we, as well as you, once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his kingdom, like the rest of mankind. And, and again, please be patient with me. There's a point being made here. Again, you may not have Weiss expanded translation New Testament, but it's not that difficult to come by. And uh, it also is, doesn't read aloud very easily. So be patient with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, weeks expanded translation of the New Testament. And you being dead with reference to your trespasses and sins, he made alive. In the sphere of which trespasses and sins at one time, you ordered your behavior as dominated by the spirit of the age in this world system. The God of this world, the Prince of, Power of as dominated by the leader of the authority of the lower atmosphere, not air like you breathe, but the spiritual atmosphere of the cosmos of the earth. Not the earth, the, the terra firma, the, the ground and all of that, but the system that's on this earth. You ordered your your behavior as dominated by the spirit of the age in this world system as dominated by the leader of the authority of the lower atmosphere, the source also of the spirit that is now operating in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we are, we all ordered our behavior in the sphere of the cravings of our evil nature, continually practicing the desires of our evil nature and of our thoughts, and were continually children of wrath by nature as also the rest. And finally, just one verse, verse 2, from Young's literal translation. This is a very old translation, and the purpose of Mr. Young's translation was to try to be as literally correct to the Greek at the sacrifice of readability. He said, In which also ye did walk according to the age of this world, not the age by clock, but the, the age that we're living in, the time, the spirit, the season, with all of its culture and thoughts and attitudes and ideas. According to the ruler of the authority of the air or the, the spiritual atmosphere here on earth. Of the spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience. What is the consequence of this? Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And then finally, this is what God called Paul to do, and Paul told us to be followers of Him as he followed Christ. The voice from heaven said to Paul, according to Paul in Acts twenty-six eighteen, that you're called to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power or authority of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Colossians one thirteen, Who hath delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. This is the purpose of kingdom authority used in kingdom ministry, first and foremost in kingdom praying. In the next lesson, part number four, call of war briefing number eight, I will go into detail about how to actually use authority once you've received it. God bless you. Thank you for listening, for watching. And I pray that if you have not really, uh, you def- really don't understand this direction because you're just now hearing about it, if you would go back and at least watch video briefing number one, it will bring you up to date. There's a lot of good stuff that the Lord has given us in video briefings number four through uh, two through six, uh, especially numbers uh, uh, four and five, excuse me, five and six, uh, which are part one and part two. This is part three of Kingdom Praying, and uh, video briefing number eight will be part four. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen.